Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jibraj and on this podcast I speak with founders, investors and domain experts from the Indian Valley trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode I speak with Rishi Vasudev, co-founder of Goat Brand Labs. Goat Brand Labs is a unique model to scale consumer brands under one umbrella while the roll-up model popularized largely last year in India. There was a surge of companies in this space but Goat managed to build its individuality and emerge as a leader. Rishi Vasudev, the founder of Goat, has been an incredibly prolific operator and leader of brands across verticals and companies throughout his career. He has spent 20 years in the industry including a stint at Flipkart, starting Goat as a seasoned practitioner. I sit with him to unravel the journey and understand how to scale D2C brands. Through the conversation, we discuss the playbook of scaling, the goat model of building brands, the organizational structure that facilitates a roll-up play, and multiple aspects of differentiating the model and being deliberate about curating a world-class team. This was an absolutely fantastic conversation, and I'm sure all of you listening will have a great time. But before we get started, here is a quick word about our sponsor. This episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast is presented by Stride Ventures, which is one of India's leading venture debt funds, becoming synonymous with innovative startup financing in India. Stride Ventures provides comprehensive solutions going beyond venture debt to cater to distinctive challenges faced by high growth and inherently strong businesses backed by leading institutions. The fund has a portfolio of over 60 plus diversified companies having deployed more than 1500 crore rupees to date. In just over 2 years, Stride Ventures has emerged as the preferred venture debt lender in the Indian ecosystem. To know more about this phenomenal fund, visit strideventures.in. That is spelled as S T R I D E V E N P U R E S . I N. And with that, Let's dive in to the 119th episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast with Rishi of Goat Brand Labs. Thank you so much Rishi for joining me. Incredibly delighted to be hosting you today. Thank you, thank you for having me on your show, Jivraj. Glad to hear that Rishi and I think what fascinates me is of course, you know, your exuberant career before Goat Brand Labs and of course what you're doing with Goat because it's a very very interesting model in India we're seeing a surgent of consumer brands and this a uh, roll up plays of course one that fascinates so many people so while we you know want to dive deeper into all of these aspects I'd love to start at the very beginning right you've had an illustrious career before goat which is to say that you know you managed a bunch of these large brands alongside having spent time at you know the mecca of indian startups which is flipkart right so if i were to ask you you know to share some light over how your story with brands has played out what your fascination for them remains and how you've seen them evolve over a period of time i think that'd be a great conversation starter so my career started many years back more than two decades back and uh, i have had the opportunity to see the evolution of uh, many different phases of uh, the industry if i may say the fashion and lifestyle industry in india i kept close to this industry because as i got deeper and deeper i realized that one i enjoyed it a lot i don't come from a fashion background i'm an electronics engineer did my mba and didn't know what would be my uh, career industry would it be mutual fund or would it be 
commodities, but ended up in fashion because I was in a large company, uh, Aditya Birla Group, and they had just acquired Madura Garments uh, way back in 1999-2000. That was the period. So uh, over the years, I've seen, uh, you know, most of the brands used to sell through a large multi-brand network going into large and small towns. And then you had the evolution of the departmental stores. You had then slowly the brand stores started to open where the mall culture came in. A lot of people used to be very skeptic about who would go to a mall uh, as against going to the beautiful high streets that every city has. Uh, I'm sure you have many in Calcutta as well. So, uh, so that's how the culture changed in terms of how people were shopping and their behaviors changed. And then there was the evolution of e-commerce and, uh, from outside, <clears throat> had done many years of building brands. I had, I had been closely associated with Louis Philippe and then ran Arrow and turned around that brand over a six-year period, was on Calvin Klein. And it was fascinating to see that there was a, a new sector emerging, uh, very democratized. For once, you did not have to focus on one segment because when you were handling a brand, uh, you were focusing on one segment of consumers because brands are positioned that way and they're Suddenly there was a flip card making waves and I said, okay, why not jump and jump into it and see how I can address a very large segment of market starting from three to 400 rupees way up to a few lakhs for a, for an item. So, so that was the thing that fascinated me and that's how I ended up in Flipkart. Got it. I think that's super, super interesting. I think carrying on their thought, right? Like you've seen so much of evolution in brands. What do you see, you know, now having developed and, you know, if you can maybe also stretch on what did Flipkart do to the ecosystem? How are you seeing new age brands shape up? Because when we think of brand, we think of, you know, 40, 50 year old brand promises that have continued through generations, but we're now seeing a different wave of consumer brands come up. What do you have to say about that? Yeah. Firstly, um, brands take time to build. And therefore, brands take time to disappear as well. And therefore, if there is a strong brand, you might go through a phase where you're not doing well, you have got a few strategies wrong. But once you get it right, uh, consumers are ready to lap you up again. You know, I have, I have seen the journey of uh, many such brands. For example, when I joined Arrow, uh, it had been in India for quite some time. It, was, uh, it, it used to be a very strong brand. A lot of people knew it, but not many people were buying it because they had somewhere not kept up with the changing uh, requirement of the consumers, which was going into most smart casual and it continued to be a very serious brand. But the moment you put in a couple of years of deep thought and uh, reposition the brand, the consumers was again coming back to the brand, right? So therefore, um, even with this new generation and new uh, age of D2C brands, one thing is very clear that you can't build a brand overnight. It takes time. And the whole advantage of building a brand is that once you build it over time, it lasts for a long time. So if you get your uh, merchandise wrong, your supply chain wrong, or anything goes wrong for a season two season, consumer will still lap you up once you get it right. And therefore, that gives you the ability to keep bouncing back and, and therefore keep building it. Also, the cost of building brands keeps getting uh, more and more expensive, right? As more brands get launched, they are fighting for the same advertising space, the same consumer mind space. And therefore, as you progress in time, uh, you would find that niches are taken up, brands have the mind space of the consumer, and then to establish a new niche, a new brand in that space takes that much more effort, innovation, and obviously marketing dollars to build. In the past, uh, before the whole e-commerce evolution, uh, distribution used to be a key of building brands, right? Uh, consumers could only see a few brands. If you are in a city, you would go to your favorite retailer or your favorite mall, 
and there are a handful of brands which can get entry into those retailers or they can get entry into, into those malls and therefore that used to be your subset and therefore the choice remained remain restricted most families used to buy similar brands mother and daughter used to buy similar brands uh, and and therefore the subset was very small it was akin to having a choice of maruti ambassador and uh, and fiat and now with e-commerce opening up you have access to any consumers at a very very low cost right you can reach 26000 27000 pin codes you you don't have to pay huge amount of upfront Uh, deposits or capex to open a store you can keep inventory in one or a couple of places and therefore it's a very economic model that e-commerce has provided the only thing you have to think about is how do you differentiate your brand how do you create something which consumers love and how do you keep evolving it because the same access to consumer is available to everyone else right so therefore how do you stay ahead of the pack and that's why the whole uh, focus and the area where people need to go deep has changed and again as i said every niche the moment two or three brands establish themselves and take the mind space uh, they get into uh, a, a rhythm where they are able to launch new collections or new product developments very quickly and for somebody else to come and displace becomes that much more tough and that much more expensive and therefore uh, a lot of brands are therefore pushing hard to really take up niches and therefore establish themselves yeah yeah no i think that's a very crystal clear understanding of how brands have evolved and i think that really sets us in place for the next segue right which is you know with coat you're trying to bring in this roll up model in consumer brands in the country which of course seems like an intuitive play because you know as you mentioned distribution is now democratized starting a brand is now democratized because of things like shopify payment system integrations what not right however scaling remains to be the challenge however if you can maybe share how now you planned on taking the leap of faith what was the key insight when starting goat what was the zero to one like i think that should help with context and how you go about you know starting something that seems like a very differentiated very new sort of a market which the role up play at the time was yeah let me go back a little bit into uh, you know what i observed or worked on a lot in in flipkart <clears throat> when i joined flipkart flipkart was largely electronics uh, mobile and a general merchandise player fashion was a very small part of flipkart uh, most of the fashion used to be done through a vertical company mintra so so the major challenge that you had in a horizontal platform was discovery right so if i just go a little deeper on how discovery happens on a vertical versus a horizontal in a horizontal platform like flipkart amazon you mostly go to the search bar because even if you are buying looking to buy a t-shirt on the main page you could be seeing refrigerators or you could be seeing mattresses etc and therefore the easiest way is go to the search page and therefore search for your product and search always used to be optimized for the item which will convert fastest right so uh, so therefore if uh, a lowest price red color t-shirt is selling well they would show you that and many people who were coming for discovery want, wanting to come in and see show me your collection of t-shirts would would only see that same red black t-shirt which is selling very fast is the lowest price item and therefore move away and verticals work very differently in verticals the whole home page is available for you to discover and therefore people go in uh, keep scrolling and trying to see what are the new things that the vertical platform is uh, pushing towards you and uh, suggesting to you and therefore uh, a large part of the decision making happens there so in flipkart the challenge was that how do you bring more selection now point is that if you are not giving discovery people are not creating selection so every person who selling on flipkart 
is trying to create the same red t-shirt and trying to sell it cheaper. Uh, whereas consumers are wanting to see more selection, right? And if you see more, uh, you will sell more. It's it's akin to you go to a store, you want a white shirt. The guy says at the door, Aapko white shirt chahiye, yellow white shirt and you walk out. That's not how the behavior happens in, in, in browse categories. The behavior happens is that you are asked to come into the store and say, sir, my white shirt dikhata hon. But first, why don't you go around the store? Why don't you see a new collection for festive? Why didn't you, why don't you see a wedding collection? This is a new innovation we have done. And if you play on, they keep showing you more. And if you don't, you are in a hurry, then they'll say, okay, so your white shirt is ready. Let me bill it and you can go out, right? So this whole time spent on the website was a very important thing. So one was to crack the whole way in which people interact. And therefore, uh, not many people know this, but if you go to Flipkart uh, fashion page on a non-sale day, in sale day, the merchandising is different. Uh, you would see that they hardly talk about discounts. Flipkart talks about what are celebrities wearing, what is the new trend, because people know that in Flipkart, a certain price is there. Once you set this whole ball rolling, you realize that now you needed people to create new brands, new selections, so that if you are, you are telling that in Flipkart, I have a section for wedding wear, you should have enough people creating wedding wear. And the realization was that in India, uh, you know, either you had people selling very, very commoditized products, or you had the large brands who were not completely aligned or uh, did not understand the e-commerce movement as much. And therefore, there was a large gap of good brands who were differentiated and who would take up these niches that was thrown open for discovery. So now the market has really evolved. You have multiple vertical marketplaces, uh, vertical marketplaces, you have multiple horizontal marketplaces and people are open to shopping on Shopify. So there are people easily able to discover different places where they can uh, see different things. And therefore, there is a large opportunity to create brands, propositions, which can go to uh, consumers and consumers say that, yes, I don't want to dress like my dad. I want formal shirt, but I want it with some styling. And therefore, if you want that, then there are many uh, different brands which are offering that. What I realized doing that over time in Flipkart was that there were many people coming up, creating these niche products, reaching a scale of 10 to 20 crores. But after that, going on to become a 100 crore plan, a big brand was a challenge because to make the next leap, you have to be well aware of how to sell on multiple platforms. You need to understand how to build your brand, how to ensure that what you have created does not kind of get copied by another brand because in the right, at the right time, you didn't capture consumers' mind space as to how you are uh, differentiated and therefore that's something that you stand for. Uh, and then challenges around working capital, operations efficiency, etc. So uh, when I left my last job, I said, you know, why not uh, use it as a way of giving back that there are so many of these budding entrepreneurs who are coming up, who have created very, very exciting propositions. I believe that there are many niches that need to be need to be expanded. And, you know, people have already launched or started the journey in that. And therefore, it made absolute sense to take up a few of these and start working on them. Working on them meaning it's like a mall or a society where you know you focus on your store or your house, whereas there is a common facility which takes care of the rest of the things. So you don't have to worry about all the things that founders end up doing, which is not their core area, uh, like going to banks and trying to get a loan for working capital or trying to find a way of hiring some good people in certain areas or getting into a marketplace or accessing global markets. So all of those things, we thought we could build it centrally. And, and that's how the journey of GOAT started. As we began, 
we had to make calls some of them many of them cold calls asking people that oh we like your brand would you want to be part of goat a lot of people would be surprised saying oh why should i sell my brand uh, why why should i part with 50% 51% stake in my brand but as we move forward i think uh, more and more people became aware of this people realized the strength that we bring together you know if we join hands it could be a much bigger game and now quite different actually we get called by so many great brands every other day somebody who i really look up to reaches out and says oh can can i be part of goat and i say and and it's both in terms of brands as well as professionals who want to be part of goat and help brands so that way it's a exciting phase where we are getting good entrepreneurs want, wanting to work with us we are getting good experts who are wanting to come and join on goat and work on those brands and their entrepreneurs so it's become like a platform where you have the greatest people you have the greatest brand the greatest founder and therefore all of it comes together to great create really good brands absolutely no i think that's very very helpful because it provides a clear understanding of how brands have evolved and why such uh, an ecosystem almost you know can help early stage brands to scale and of course we love the name to put things into perspective i think uh, rishi it'll be helpful to know if you can maybe share some statistics around okay how many brands are you working with what you've seen you know develop and evolve in the last one and a half two years of being into picture and how do you see this playbook getting formed right because i think the the largest uh, asset or the most helpful asset will be you know the scalable playbook that you are building if you can share some of that with us i think that should be helpful see usually the uh, the common notion is that if the same playbook can be applied again and again on every brand it's it's a perfect playbook right it's it's almost like opening a mcdonald's outlet if the same menu works in across the world it's a scalable model you can quickly expand uh the difficult part is that when you're building brands everything is not the same every founder is not the same every brand is not the same every segment is not the same and every brand's needs are not the same so in a way there are areas which we identify as being same across brands so the areas like warehousing logistics uh technology uh, access to uh funds finance systems compliances so all of these things are common so whether you are a business selling home furnishing your business selling xyz it all, all all of them need a very efficient backend which to begin with should be at par with the best uh, in the in the industry or in the country and then as you have more scale you should aspire and make it better than what others are able to provide because uh, together you have more strength the part which is critical is the part which differentiates you which is how your brand is perceived how your uh, designs are how your innovation pipeline is and how your marketing is uh, so these are items where we enable and we help founders take decisions so founders continue to run those brands and they are really the drivers and uh, we have a team of experts so for example in the field of brand marketing now every founder believes that they have built a brand they understand marketing but as they step up wanting to do a larger campaign do a celebrity tie up do a large media planning they need experts who have been there done that right and going to a large agency is very expensive and they would not give you the attention time to really understand what your brand stands for and maybe roll out one of the solutions that they have offered to uh, a lot of brands so uh, we have a team uh, led by shovik shovik is a very senior person in the industry uh, advertising industry used to be uh, president of ogilvy delhi office so with shovik around and spending time on each brand you know it's really 
he and the founder discovering what is the right time to get into a campaign or what scale with what kind of differentiated strategy and what communication, what media. And therefore, you know that I have somebody who understands me, understands the brand and therefore need not worry that at what time I should really take the leap. Similarly, there are experts on digital marketing. Digital marketing is a fast changing field. You know, if people guess how Facebook and Google work, then obviously it doesn't suit them. So therefore things are changing all the time. And it is also a game where it, you are not in isolation. If everyone's advertising, the costs go up. And therefore you have to be constantly ahead of the curve in understanding that how do you use that channel? How do you optimize your websites? How do you optimize your spends on Amazon? How do you ensure that you are leveraging all the things available on the marketplaces in terms of giving visibility to your brand, having faster speed to the customer and getting more and more eyeballs and, and therefore more sales. So therefore, there are many areas where you need expertise, which is beyond what you would have in your team. And that's how we have built the team that standard things like warehousing logistics are done for everyone. And then you have experts who work with you and help you scale up and then get in when your brand requires it or uh, not apply the same playbook to everyone all the time. So, so that's something that won't work. Right. I think that's very interesting. Doubling down on that, uh, Rishi, how, how difficult or challenging as a problem statement is it for you to maybe structure your team, uh, the Goat Labs team internally for horizontal and vertical functions, right? Because as you mentioned, right, some of these are going to be horizontal things that are applicable across brands, but then there are going to be brand specific problems. So how do you go about establishing the team and getting that right? What is the organizational design like for Goat? So one is that the thought process in GOAT is everything as a service. So if we are providing marketing, then we should think of how we structure ourselves to offer it not only to our brands, but to brands outside. Similarly, if we are offering debt raise, then it should be debt raise as a service. So everything, once you have a service mindset, then you are internally thinking that, you know, I, I need to understand and articulate the problem to the, uh, to the brand or the founder, and I should be able to show the impact and the action that has been taken. So internally, we, we think like that. Second thing is that what we do is we constantly try to see that how we connect each of these capabilities to the best in world, best in the world, right? So how do we work with external parties, external? So for example, celebrity management. So the marketing team has tied up with Exceed, which is one of the leading celebrity partners uh, in, the, in the country. And therefore, with them, we have access to the right strategies and to which celebrity at what point to come in, etc. Similarly, if it is logistics, then we are working with the right partners, unicommerce, technology partners, so that you get the best to the brands that you work with. Second thing we keep in mind in GOAT is that we should be both operators and consultants. So there are times when there is nobody in that brand team or the brand is quite small not to have a senior person inside then we should be able to step in and do everything as an, uh, from, in terms of ideation and execution. And there are times where there are people in the team and therefore you work with that team and advise them as, as much as they need. The ultimate aim is that each brand should reach a size where they can have their whole own independent team on each of these functions. But till the time they can afford that because some brand might be a 20 crore brand. They may not have the budget to really invest in a very senior person on digital marketing or a senior person in brand marketing. So therefore, we become operators in those brands. However, once the brand is larger, they would want a dedicated person on marketing, a dedicated person on many fields. So then we become their guide. And therefore, each of us wear the hat of very quickly moving from operator to 
to consultant and therefore we should be we we see that uh, how we play both roles very very seamlessly uh, the mistake that we can make is the founder wants us to consult or advise them and we start doing it for them that is the time you start losing the founder because he or she believes that you're not letting them do what they are supposed to do so that's the fine balance that we need to build the third thing is we have very very small team in goat right a lot of people have amassed very very big teams in goat we are just 35 people and we say that each person who comes on goat should be adding value to the brands if there is no value addition then why are we there because the brands are supposed to be running on their own as it is so these are some of the principles we have kept it's like i said there is no standard playbook and there is no standard operating uh, way with each brand and therefore we are learning all the time we make mistakes but the principles are clear and therefore we believe we'll keep getting better and outcome will therefore show what we are doing absolutely very helpful i i see a lot of structure in thinking and clarity of you know thought process when it comes to how you've gone about building things just to understand further right the couple of things that i took from that is having that value mindset to the brand having that operational efficiency as well how do you test for some of these things while keeping a very frugal setup right because it could be easy to you know just keeping on adding capabilities and not looking at some of these aspects but what is the bar for talent how do you test for some of these things how have you gone about that especially since you have worked as a leader in multiple brands otherwise what is the testing criteria or filtering mechanism for you i think that'd be fascinating to know rishi uh i think one thing i learned a lot in flipkart was back to basics uh is is one thing uh, flipkart used to any category that they were launching or any product they were launching flipkart has this mindset saying let's not just go by what's happening in the market let's go back to basics let's take a drawing board and say if we were to build this industry all over again how would we do it right what has helped is uh, that mindset because in goat we are a mix of a few people who have huge experience and a large number of people who are much younger have just been around for 2 years 3 years uh, very bright minds and therefore when both teams come together or both kind of people come together there's a lot of questioning on each one why this way why not that way and therefore uh, it allows you uh, to really look at things from a fresh perspective and therefore define what value addition would be number 2 is again my learnings from flipkart is that whatever gets measured gets done convert everything into a metric right so we struggle on that because a lot of times we evaluate our success with outcomes that sales bad gaya to things would have been good but the difficult part is to really go back and put down the input metrics and say what input metrics are defining those changes so very early on we created this uh, whole setup where now we have access to all kinds of data so nobody in the team waste time trying to figure out last week what happened uh, in which channel so we have ready access to data from amazon flipkart been through all the all the channels shopify some of them have ready uh, apis where data can be pulled in in some case we have to work harder to get those data but now data is available the metrics are defined and unless that metric moves we believe that we have not created that impact so for example if you're selling on amazon you might have a great week but you know that if your rating reviews and ranking has not moved over time or you're not having the best seller tag or you don't have in stock for every single day or your key items do not have an sla which is very very short you are not improving week on week so therefore get in and try to solve that week on week it's boring stuff but then unless you do it you cannot replicate for the next brand that you acquire and therefore it should not be gunslinging creativity saying that aa jao yaar kuch karte hain and something happens 
it should almost be a process which when you identify or work with a new brand that you're looking to make part of goat you almost can see that these are the metrics that they are at these are the metrics that you can move in various departments so every department right from marketing down to logistics to somebody handling shopify everywhere there are metrics and those metrics some of them are difficult to move some are easy to move but we really look at how these metrics change over week on week and that's how we define our success in terms of what value addition is happening by that team i think that's very interesting and i think sets the tone very very well as to how some of these things can be tested for and how you can you know understand and set the fundamentals right the other part of team is of course culture you know and without being too broad about it considering that you've had a different experience of course at flipkart and at other places how do you look at culture personally rishi and how has that evolved over time because i'm guessing that the dna needs to be really fresh and considering that this is also the kind of market that there's a lot of chatter about how do you set the tone within the company right would love to know what your internal theory for that is Yeah so we are quite young we just year and a half started with a a small team and we have added people over the last 3 6 months so so therefore culture is an evolution so you have you have people who joined early who think differently people who came in later who are still getting in there are some people who get in fast some people who are still figuring out so therefore it's a mix of many different time of input and the thought process when they came in and therefore uh, we are evolving all the time some of the things that we really believe strongly in is that uh, number one we are all equal we we do not have any preference in terms of who gets to use uh, a room for a meeting or who sits where no desks no cabins nothing everyone comes we have open uh, sitting and therefore wherever one feels comfortable with on that day can sit there we have open sharing of information every monday morning we have this Uh, what's brewing session uh, and and we just share what's going on so that there is no silo or no uh, power because somebody has access to some information so unless something is very critical or something is uh, is not to be shared because of some legal aspects or everything else is shared openly right we trust that everyone will keep it to themselves which brands we are talking to which brands we are likely to get on board what's happening with certain founders so all of those things are very openly discussed so that people can start their week with all the information that they can have a mix of youngsters who come with very little experience with lot of energy and with experienced people who have been there done that and are coming in because they want to get the taste of how a startup works challenges that happen is that you know a lot of people my age come in and and i went to the same when i was in flipkart is that you are still looking to find that formula which worked for you you know you know that if the situation is such then i will be there if the ball is in the slot i know i'll swing the bat because you have you know built a mental model of that but in a startup you are questioning everything you don't have large teams you have to go figure out if it works and then start to scale so therefore that takes a little time for senior people to get adjusted to but we say nothing doing nobody will have the comfort of very large teams so that you can just uh, instruct around Uh, but prove your model hire more people make them useful show the metrics are moving and therefore expand because ultimately going back to that you have to add value to the founders and the businesses that are running so yeah these are some of the uh, key tenets like i said that there are people coming with different expectations so it's not that everyone comes in fully plugs in and therefore everything is perfect but the idea is that to keep this alive so that as more and more people come in they understand what works here what doesn't work here for some people this whole hustle bias for action 
too many things happening is quite unnerving and and they don't enjoy it so much but people who love this culture really um, are the ones who are calling up you know saturday sunday closing out something while we do not encourage people to work on saturday sunday but then if there's something that needs to be done it gets done yeah. wonderful i think that's very refreshing to hear and uh, goes back to the basics and it's very heartening to see you know that it's been at your own pace and at your own comfort but you've defined it from ground up and that it's evolving lovely i think this covers bunch of things you know we've discussed how you gone ahead and built goat i have to you know stereotype and ask but you know there's been a wave of where you know the roll up play was a lot in the market and there was you know a lot of noise around it and of course multiple companies surge up in the space how do you as a founder look at that you know like is there any concern over what the competition is doing is there a constant thought process on that front just to understand you know how does this competitive play play out in your opinion and what is the the internal thesis about it we would love to know that rishi yeah so last year there was i may say it was like the ipl going on right so you had some big news and somebody would get funding right so it was almost the race to raise funding and uh, and somewhere acquisition was being seen as the golden metric and i would keep shouting saying that what you acquire is not what you have done what you do with the acquisition is is really the value addition of a roll up play but it just seemed like that if you move very quickly on acquisition and you raise more capital then that defines the winner however things changed and and it's almost like you are batting in england now the ball is swinging around so if your technique is not right your stumps will go so it suits our style because um, we have been working like i spoke earlier about building capabilities in different areas and now we believe that we have shown it in action if you see uh, some metrics on goat number one the growth of our brands i was speaking to a couple of our investors who have also invested or are running multiple roll up plays across the globe they have not seen anyone with 100% plus growth year on year so we are having that over a large set of brands people initially struggle with you know the acquisition getting the brand to transition get them into a running rhythm and then start to think about growth as well as brand building in many of our brands we are already on the path of building brand so we launched a a beautiful campaign you should see it on instagram uh, with chitrangana singh for two rounds a brand which is doing really well a very strong founder and uh, we worked um, on a campaign with chitrangana which has come out really well and uh, similarly nutriglow is another brand with a very strong uh, founding team in and which has done very well on the marketplaces during this festive season we launched a campaign with genelia so on some brands we have moved on brand marketing we have moved on we have tied up with shopstop people talk about omni as a, a north star metric that we will become omni we are already in partnership with india's largest retailer with 100 plus large doors and uh, so much progress has happened in a very short time and these are all capabilities which are available to any new brand that comes in so therefore i believe that if you create capabilities which are showing on your current brands you will attract more and more good brands you will attract more capital and therefore you can keep building on please remember i'll start i'll i'll say again what i started with brand building is really tough anyone says i'll build great brands in a year you should not believe them it can only be done you can make people recognize a brand by spending huge amount of money on that but really to for people to identify with the brand appreciate that brand recognize with the brand they need to see more proof that you are consistent in what you do and therefore it takes time so 
we're in no hurry i think things are going well we we raised around a few months back and uh, growth is happening capabilities are being built so really we don't we don't come into the path of any other roll up in terms of fighting for same brand because we are again very differentiated in terms of the sectors we operate in uh, fashion not many people play in and fashion brands not many people play in not anyone plays in so yeah so that way we are unique and therefore working in our own space perfect no i think that brings a lot of clarity as to how differentiated goat is out of curiosity do you have a mental model for what uh, brand pmf looks like right because i'm guessing that the point at which goat comes or acquires a brand is where there is a decent amount of let's say pmf right as we call it and the scale is an issue right so do you have a mental model to this is the evaluation criteria or this is what we've seen has worked across as a pattern uh, with most of our acquisitions i think that would be interesting for early stage brand builders or founders of early stage d2c companies per se yeah so we have a very detailed scorecard uh, we have something called elimination and we call something called selection so we push ourselves to look at a very very large top of the funnel uh, by getting data from various marketplaces data from instagram etc to look at what are all the brands out there so we do us initial elimination so we don't take brands which are which are very sudden so in one year they built a big business like i said no proof that and pmf has been established a brand which are very small we have seen it takes a lot of effort to scale them so we have a size of about 2 to 5 million which we prefer 2 to 5 million dollars annually sales that we prefer to get in very large brands have challenges that either they are stagnated or they have very large teams so integrating them with the goat ecosystem becomes a challenge very small brands again pmf might be a challenge consumer love and uh, uh, sales on their own website is something that is very critical for us so if you look at most of our brands they have unless there are brand in home pets etc where people generally buy on marketplaces but instagram following your presence on your own website your discounting policies uh those are some of the things which tell that people are buying you they are ready to give a premium because you have something differentiated and a uh, presence on your own shopify website also tells us that what is the metrics on customers attention what how much money you are spending to acquire the customers so all of this tells us that is the brand just buying sales or there are people who are who keep coming back pay a premium to buy that brand and then we get into the selection model where we look at founder fit there are founders who are great but then we don't see a value addition that goat can bring in therefore we don't get in there we we have huge discussions with the founders the systems how they see goat adding value if you believe both of us can take it long together then we get in yeah some of the uh, highlights but yeah we have a detailed scorecard we have multiple stages within our company and we look through a lot of brands before deciding one or two brands so therefore it's a very very thorough process but these are some of the main things that people have to keep in mind if they want to participate or partner with goat yeah that that's a helpful framework for brands to look at okay not just how they can figure out what the early stages look like but what they can look out for to understand what pmf looks like for them how they can evaluate market performance and things like that so that's a helpful framework great i think this part covers you know a bunch of aspects around roll up models around how goat is differentiated and around how you know cross functional teams can best function i think as we conclude this i'd love to know a couple of things about you rishi and you know display the founder persona because there's a podcast where a lot of founders listen and our future founders do and i think giving them a real picture of entrepreneurship really helps the first question there is you know for somebody like you who's spent time in the ecosystem as 
a regular practitioner, manager, leader, as well as has seen, you know, the Flipkart journey play out where you've seen a certain amount of skill. How do you, how do you evolve as an early stage founder, right? I think out of curiosity and personal fascination as well, I'd love to know what your personal journey qualitatively has been. We've heard the business side of things, but if you can maybe take us, so these are the things that have changed over a period of time. And personally, this is how you've had to adapt to the founder hat. I think that would be really wonderful to hear. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak about my experience. When I left Flipkart, I thought I would, I would start something of my own, right? But mentally, I was still not fully committed to it. So spent a couple of months discussing a business idea that I thought would work. And then I had an offer from the Landmark Group to become CEO of Lifestyle Home Center and I took it up, right? So, and then when I did not enjoy that and I left that, I was very clear that even if I don't do anything, I, I want to do my own thing. And somewhere in my head, the reason for doing this was very, very clear. I had ideas, I had things I wanted to do. And I realized that I knew what jobs offer. Uh, they offer many things. They offer you scale. They offer you large teams. They offer you a platform to do big things. But I was clear I was looking for something else. And that could only come from, from being your own boss and, uh, and really uh, doing your own thing. So that way you have to mentally be completely clear. Uh, you know, somebody reached out to me who used to work with me and he said, not enjoying my brand so much, my job so much. So I thought in the evenings, I will look at doing something on Amazon. And I told him there are hundreds of people trying to build the same category on Amazon. So unless you are hundred percent committed, trying to learn that and being better than the others, you cannot make it. It's, it cannot be a half-hearted effort. I will, I will take the leap. So I think that's number one, which worked for me. Number two thing is that humility. Uh, I think when you are in large organizations, you know, many things are set up. You just walk into a room, the groundwork is done. And most often, uh, you know, you just need to sign and things move forward, right? But when you're starting on your own, you are you are a nobody to start with. Yeah, you have your past, your experiences, how you work with different people. But you have to really uh, be ready that even if you get one guy to agree to fund you or one brand that agrees to partner with you, there would be 99 who would say no. So you have to continuously be at it and not feel let down or feel your ego as uh, being hurt saying that how can so many people refuse? Because as you grow in organizations, you, uh, you, you lose that connect. Third thing I believe is a lot of people and, and I love this book that I read, Give and Take, and I recommend many people to read it. It talks about networks, right? A lot of people we say are well-networked. If you see them with uh, big businessmen, big politicians, actually the network is what you do to others without expecting anything in return, right? And it's through every little thing. Somebody reaches out to you for advice. Somebody reaches out to you for uh, a job. Somebody reaches out to you for anything. Uh, people in your organization, how do you treat them? All of that is building a network. And when you are out there, you need everyone to support you in some way, right? Somebody to give you some information, guide you towards someone, someone to beat introduction. And that's where I realized that how much I could leverage the network I had built over 20 years, right? People who had had a half, hard time working uh, with me because I can be a tough boss, wanted again to come and work with me, right? Which is, so you need all of this support when you're doing things on your own. Uh, it's not easy, even at my level, with my experience, people think I just stepped out and there was money waiting for me to take up and I took it and I started. It's not a straight line. Uh, I had to go through all the pains that founders. Yeah, maybe some things worked better, but then the expectations are much higher from me. 
like a 22 year old i can't make big mistakes and say oh i didn't uh, i didn't expect this because i'm supposed to know better but you need to be able to leverage and please when you are working with people be nice to them be kind to them help them out because when uh, the reci- reciprocal effect will happen is you never know yeah and then be open minded in 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 learning so i worked 15 years in menswear and out of the 15 brands that we have acquired only one brand is a one and one is underwear so two brands are menswear so if i came with my biases i would have said yaar ye mujhe aata hai let's acquire menswear brands i know how to make it happen but then you had you have to understand it's a new play you need to understand more niches are available in women's categories than men's categories women are more prone to trying out new things because they want to look different they want to experiment and therefore most of our acquisitions happen in women's wear which is not my area where i've spent many years so these are some of the things i would give people advice and you have to hang in there there are days where things are low things are high but it's an unfinished agenda because you you have to continuously building continuously keep building a plan which you are still far away from so that you are driven yeah so some of the tips that i can give people who are looking to step out especially people who are starting off relatively later yeah yeah that's wonderful i think uh, covers a bunch of very fundamental things about starting up and very you know i think humbling to know that it's still such an evolutionary journey and comes with its own shares of ups and downs but such is the founder dna that it keeps you going uh, wonderful i think uh, this has been really lovely rishi and i have personally learned a lot as we conclude i think uh, i'll do a stereotypical one but taking more of a futuristic lens if this is a two part question one is of course you know given that the founder journey has its own challenges i'd love if you can maybe reflect a bit on what is that core motivation that still gets you going you mentioned and touched upon a bit when you spoke about you know being your own boss having ideas that you want to execute but what is it that keeps you you know a very positive about the future and as we look at the future uh, what is what is goat have in store for us to the extent that you can share i think that will be a helpful lens to end on and a refreshing one so over to you for the last one yeah we have defined some metrics in terms of how many 100 crore brands we want to create by what period and what turnover etc but i'll go a step deeper than that i think uh, the key is to create a capability which is hugely differentiated right so i truly believe that uh, great companies large companies have capabilities which you can quickly talk about right so quickly identify mentions so if you take a unilever you'll say oh great great brand builders great people great distribution great they have uh, brands that in their portfolio right so similarly there are capabilities that goat needs to stand out for and uh, and there are many capabilities where the leader or the winner is still not identified because those capabilities are changing so fast and we believe that the task will really be done where the key motivation is to create a company where we are the best in uh, knowing how to do digital marketing uh, for brands we would be the best in creating brands in the new ecosystem where it's more about the brand talking to consumers all the time rather than creating one campaign for the season or for diwali season so this is a new ecosystem of creating brands to have really partnered with the best brands available in the market so that you have a starting point where you have a great portfolio of brands so the key motivation is really to build a capability which really differentiates goat goat so that it's not that we were there at the right time right place and we just landed up with five six good brands and therefore created a big business but to create it as a platform which can be which can be differentiating and gives you the capability to keep building on on what you you have created so that's my 
key motivation and till we reach a state where i believe that yes we are in in a place where we can really say that we have a capability which gives us a huge differentiation with others we'll keep building wonderful i think kudos to that and kudos to all the other things that you mentioned this has been very 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 wonderful in the sense that it's given us a clear understanding of what brands are the evolution of brands in the country and also how goat in the roll up play really really works so thanks for sharing with us thanks for being your candid self and i'm sure everyone listening in is going to take back a lot of great things from this one thank you rishi for being on thank you jivraj thanks for a very interesting conversation and uh... all the best awesome with that we come to the end of this conversation thank you so much for tuning in to the episode i really hope you enjoyed it as much as i did if you're finding value with the podcast do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice drop in a review and subscribe to our whatsapp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox Thanks again. I will see you next week for another episode. Till then, I hope you recall. If you never try, you'll never know. Stay tuned and keep building.